back to another episode of Bed Letter. I'm your host, Christian Ashleman, and this is the podcast where we chat a bit about our psycho-human brains, a little about our loony human behavior, and a lot about how it all fits together. So today we are on episode 34, so thank you so much to those of you who've been out there following along with the podcast as it's been releasing every Tuesday and Friday morning. I appreciate all of you for taking the time to listen. It really does mean a lot to me. Uh, if you know someone who you think would enjoy Bed Letter, please feel free to share the podcast. Uh, if you're interested in signing up for the monthly newsletter or in joining the Bed Letter Community Discord server, you can head to cashleman.com. That's C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N.com. On my site over there, I've got a blog that I write on, as well as info on editing, tutoring, and mentoring services that I offer. And then if you want to help support the show, I do have a Patreon page, and if something in the show sparks a question or a comment and you want to share, uh, you can head to my blog, our community Discord server, or my Instagram page, at Ashlyn. All those three places are fantastic places to share your thoughts about whatever you've heard on the podcast. So, Okay, so the topic for today is an interesting article that I found on Ars Technica. Um, the title of the article is When Asked to Fix Something, We Don't Even Think of Removing Parts. The subtext is, across many experiments, participants tried to fix problems by adding stuff. It was written by John Timer, John Timmer, sorry. Uh, it was posted on April 7th uh, of this year, so pretty frequent, pretty, pretty fresh article, and um, Really, really has a lot of interesting, interesting things to say about about these com- these two different combating ideas that we hold in our minds, right? So I'm just gonna start off by by uh, diving right into the article. As a society, we seem to have mixed mixed feelings about whether it's better to add or subtract things, advising both that less is more and bigger is better. But these contradictory views play out across multi-billion dollar industries with people salivating over the latest features of their hardware and software before bemoaning that the added complexities make the product difficult to use. A team of researchers from the University of Virginia decided to look at the behavior underlying this tension. Finding in a new paper that most people defaulted to assuming that the best way of handling a problem is to add new features. While While it was easy to overcome this tendency with some simple nudges, the researchers suggests... The researchers suggest that this thought process may underlie some of the growing complexity of the modern world. Um, So yeah, that's kind of how the article opens up. I think it's really fascinating to think about um, kind of the idea that uh, the idea of less being more, right? The less is more and bigger is better and how prevalent both of those ideas are, at least in Western culture. Um, I mean, when I think about this, I think of advertising, architecture, design, like website design, you know, that you see even like product design nowadays. Most of, most products, most things are, are very clean, very sleek, kind of a, a less is more approach, right? You look at our, our phones right now, they're very slick, they're one color, they're very, um, you know, especially for, for like Apple and stuff, the, the interface is extremely clean. Um, and, and for Android too, depending on how you have, how you have it set up, but just like how everything nowadays, even when it comes to, like I said, products, uh, is 
kind of constructed with this clean feel. A lot of big mansions, a lot of big houses that are being built. They are made with, you know, very clean designs nowadays. You know, the, the new, the new 21st century design is very, very simple, very, you know, right angles, very clean. And whether or not you like that or not, that is regardless of that, that's kind of just where we're at, right? So those are just kind of some of the things that pop into my head when I think of uh, less being more, you know, advertising design. A lot of website design nowadays is very clean. Um, but yet a lot of things to do with our mindset, um, they have to do with how something can uh, can grow and how bigger is better and how, you know, more is better. I mean, if you think about that in regards to you know, how many followers can you get on social media, how much money does Jeff Bezos have, how much, you know, who's in the Fortune 500 and, and how much money do they have and, and all of that, you know, to, to have more, to get bigger, to be better, it's all very, you know, very sought after, right? It's a very um, desired thing, understandably so, right? And so these two things seem to have such a big uh, a very big um, point in our culture and at the same time they are they they, they, they both seem very contextual based right like uh, they both play a very important role depending on uh, what you're looking at and sometimes they even play off of one another right um, I look at a huge mansion these big 21st century mansions and it's all very simple very clean you know, architecture, everything's white on the inside or silver or gray or something like that, you know. Um, that was the first thing that popped into my head at least. And so um, I consider this this idea of less being more a lot personally because uh, oftentimes when I'm editing something that I've written uh, in the process while I'm, you know, while I'm writing, it becomes really important to, after after I've written something, to look back at it and to, uh, to take things out and to remove things. Almost, oftentimes it's almost more important to remove things out of what I've written than it is to add things. Um, and, and, and a little bit more on that later, but it, it is, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to remember to do, right? Or to remember to consistently do when you're editing something. So the article goes on and it says, let's add stuff. The researchers say that they got interested in the topic because they had no, they noticed that beyond the admonition that less is more, many fields had specific advice that improvement through uh, about improvement through subtraction. Ed editors caution writers about using excess language. Social scientists talk about the need to remove barriers and so on. In contrast, there are few reminders to add stuff to fix problems. And uh, and there it is. I think it's you know a habit that I use all all too often is that you know uh, sometimes I'll use. Uh, a lot of times I'll actually fall into this trap where I use excess language. I use way too many words to explain uh, an idea. Um, sometimes good or bad, you know, I don't know, but it's it's there and it's something to be aware of. And a lot of times this idea of uh, less being more is actually very helpful in those situations. Um, but I think it's almost like a default setting that a problem that a problem needs like you to be added to the equation in order for it to be fixed, right? A problem can't be fixed without somebody or like you or whatever enacting on it, or so you think, right? So it's a, it's a default like addition scenario, and I and I mean it uh, be must be like it. it I mean it, it has to be right because I, if we aren't thinking to subtract things as the research is found, but then it's saying that 
on the opposite side, there's very few reminders to to you know add stuff to fix problems. Then it, it's got to be some kind of default setting right within us that that we just think we need to add add something to the scenario in order to fix it. Um, and so the article goes on. Perhaps the researchers reasoned people have no problems remembering to add things even without any prompting. So they collected a bit of data on people's tendencies in this regard. They found that additive solutions were far more common than subtractive ones. For example, when an incoming university's president solicited ideas for improvements, only 11% involved getting rid of something. In an experiment that involved making patterns out of colored squares, only 20% of the participants removed squares in order to achieve a pattern, even though either option was equally viable. And so on it went. When, an, when asked to improve a travel itinerary, only 28% of the participants did so by eliminating destinations. Essay improvements led to an increase, increase in word counts in all but 17% of cases. People just didn't tend to take things away in, huge, in a huge range of contexts. And so at first when I was reading this, um, I, had, I was going to say like the whole color squares thing, removing color squares and adding color squares. I was going to say, I don't know how well that would transmute over into like real life scenarios, but they did end up covering a lot of bases here, I think. Um, I think one of the best examples in this uh, scenario or in this, or I guess in this article that they provide is the essay improvements one. Um, because there, I think that when you're talking about essays and you're talking about the, uh, just like what it takes to write an essay, you're, you're talking about ideas, you're talking about relationships, you're talking about somebody's ability to form ideas about relationships and about the past. Um, and about the future and, and 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 those scenarios are extremely transmutable over into life way more so than I would say like adjusting a travel itinerary right and so um, I think I think that's a really good uh, set of examples and I, I'm really glad that they kind of diversified what they were looking at I feel like a lot of research would just easily have looked at it and been like just done the color squares one and then surmised okay well they didn't they didn't remove the color squares they only added them so this is what it is right but they actually did a lot of context which is which is really good for the research so the the research goes on or the article goes on the obvious next question is why it could be because people never even think of removing something, or it's possible that we consider the idea that when that and then reject it for various reasons. Another possibility is that we've internalized the more is better attitude, and that skews the solutions we view as viable candidates. So the researchers designed a series of experiments to evaluate these different explanations. So I guess my hunch would be that I think that we that we have like I said earlier, I think we've internalized this a little bit more, that kind of that attitude of, of, of more is better. Um, and it isn't, that isn't, that isn't necessarily always wrong either, right? Like, like I said, all this is very contextual base, based. It, it, it can be very important to add things to, uh, add things to fix problems, right? It, it, the importance really comes then in, in being able to differentiate between when to use which skill, when to use your ability to add things to solve a problem, or when to use your ability to subtract things to solve a problem, right? It comes in balancing that out. So the article goes on, and it says, why didn't I think of that? One of the experiments involved giving the participants a pattern of colored and white squares and asking them to change the colors in order to make the pattern symmetric. 
In every case, symmetry was far, far easier to achieve by taking away a few colored squares, but only half the participants recognized this solution. When given a few opportunities to practice, however, the rate of subtractive solutions went up to 63%. This seems to indicate that people don't always make subtractive solutions by default, but will eventually work it out. To probe this question further, the researchers did, did the same experiment but gave the participants additional tasks to distract them. This added cognitive load seemed to decrease the likelihood that participants would come up with, negatives, or with subtractive solutions, suggesting that it, that it takes some mental energy for people to overcome a natural tendency to ignore subtractive solutions. So really then, it, it, it's just a habit thing, right? It just becomes a habit. Um, because we can learn and habituate anything as human beings, anything. And so given that we make ourselves, our, our like mind, our, our conscious mind aware of what, you know, that thing enough times consistently enough, right? So if, if that's the case, then the key would be to, uh, you know, like write down on a sticky note that it's okay to remove things from the equation to, to heal, right? To, to fix the problem. It's okay to say no. It's okay to balance that relationship out between subtractive and additive solutions. And, and, and guys, I'm not, I'm not talking about necessarily, uh, you know, just like writing essays or editing travel itineraries or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I am talking about those things, but I'm not talking about just those things. I'm talking about all the aspects of life. I'm talking about you know, you're, you're consistently and constantly trying to solve problems every day, and you will always be either adding or subtracting something, right, to those scenarios. And so if, if you're in a mindset of always adding something, maybe it's, it's consuming a lot more of your energy than it should. And, and, and learning how to differentiate between what is a viable subtractive solution and a viable additive solution is, well, I guess that's the game, right? <laughs> Um, that's, that's, that's the charge. And so the article goes on. The researchers also did an experiment involving making a problem worse rather than improving it. There was no significant difference in the use of subtractive solutions between improving something and making it worse, suggesting that people don't focus on additive solutions simply because they view subtractive ones as worse. Overall, the researchers come to the conclusion that people don't often consider subtractive solutions. When they do end up thinking about them, they often find they're good options. And small prompts seem to get people to rethink their tendency to just add more stuff when making changes. So there's kind of the the, the summary of it right there, right? And then uh, it kind of goes into this last little blurb at the end that I really like. And it says, adding limits. All of that is potentially useful knowledge. But it's important to recognize that there are reasonable and practical limits regarding when subtractive solutions make sense. If you're making improvement suggestions to a university president, to borrow one of the paper's examples, suggesting eliminating some of your colleagues' departments might not go over well. Plus, in a lot of cases, elements exist for reasons that may not be clear without a deep understanding of the system. They may even exist for aesthetic reasons. Finally, we also have to recognize that there's often value in adding something. Still, the study provides a simple and effective solution for getting at greater diversity of solutions. If it's appropriate, a simple remind, uh, simply remind people that removing features is an option. 
Um, and I, I really like and I really appreciate that they include or that the writer uh, included this this paragraph at the end, right? I think it really grounds the writer. I think it really grounds the research. And I think the future goals as well as the future goals and any related, you know, upcoming research in this regard, because, you know, basically it's to say, hey, look, this is this is re- this research is cool. I mean, this research is even useful, which is, you know, useful research is that's the goal. Right. But let's be let's be reasonable with the research. Let's see that it takes up its appropriate amount of space in the psychology field. It's not going to completely pendulum swing our opinions the other way, but it will give us, you know, as the writer says, more diverse solutions. And that is, that's important. And so, um, that's the article, right? But how can, how can this, how can this be useful to us today? How can we kind of implement something like this into our life and actually find some use rather than just hearing the words and moving on, right? And I think that, um, that is in doing what I mentioned earlier, forming some kind of reminder for yourself, something that actually works for yourself, right? Like I use personally, I use sticky notes. I use them all the time. I have them all over my desk. Uh, and so a simple reminder on one of those could be extremely beneficial to me personally while I'm in the middle of, of editing something, um, while I'm in the middle of, you know, leaning back, taking a five minute break while I'm looking at a paper that I've been or looking at, uh, at an essay that I've been working on, you know, having that simple sticky note might help me remember that, hey, I don't need to just add a hundred words to explain one small idea. Maybe I can actually become more succinct and more direct and more poignant. Right. And that's, and that's valuable. Um, cause people, they get bored. They have short attention spans, me, me, myself included. And so, um, another example I thought of is that, you know, lately, personally, I've been doing a lot of painting with my friends. Um, and I, sometimes I'll be looking at the piece and I'll start to want to add things in lots of different places. And, Sometimes it is like a less is more thing. And so subtracting uh, when it comes to your creative, your art, your, or even when I'm like editing pictures, I like to, I like to take pictures of a camera and then I like to edit them slightly. I don't go too hard in the paint when it comes to editing, but I do like to edit them. And sometimes I'll, I find myself going a little too far with the, with the sliders, right? With the different edits. And so, um, just being aware that sometimes simple is actually the right solution. Sometimes taking something away is actually the right way to go. And as I said, you know, you have a whole host of problems that you have to solve every single day and with every single decision that you make and employing the subtractive method might actually do you some good, right? It might actually really help you. Um, one thing that comes to mind in, in, with this is that when my, uh, my mom, she moved to um, across the country, uh, Georgia a long time, uh, you know, years ago. And, uh, when, when they were, when my family was moving, I remember my mom had asked me, she said, you know, she had a lot on her plate when she was living, uh, here in Utah. She had, uh, you know, just a lot going on, a lot of different things she was volunteering for different school boards, different, um, you know, different, all kinds of different things. And so, uh, her plate was very full. And I remember talking to her one day before she moved and, and saying, you know, you're moving away. You're moving away from this place. You're moving far away from this place. And uh, you have the opportunity to kind of reassess what is on that plate, right? What And what gets put on that plate. 
Um, it doesn't have to be just necessarily a huge buffet where you throw out everything that comes at you and say yes, yes, yes onto that plate. You can kind of be picky and choosy with what you put on that plate. And you can then go in and um, kind of choose what you put on that plate, where you put it, and how how it's kind of arranged, right? And I, I, I like to think that, you know, me saying that not only helped her kind of figure out what she wanted to allow into her um, life, you know, upon moving, but it also helped me think about that and realize that's actually somewhat of a good idea. On the other hand, it is important to keep in mind that you don't want to go too overboard on on the subtractive method, right? Like if you eliminate everything and you say no to everything, then you will, uh, you know, shirk all responsibility. You won't allow anything new into your life. You won't uh, accept new opportunities. And, and if you don't have that responsibility and that in your life, then there's a good chance you won't be able to find that meaning and happiness that you want uh, as well. So... Um, yeah, I think I think it's really interesting. I think it's really valuable research. It's really valuable, really valuable data to to kind of, as I said, use in a appropriate way. Um, but I think that's where I'm going to wrap up this episode. If you guys enjoyed listening, be sure to follow Bedletter on whatever platform you prefer. Remember that you can add your name to the monthly newsletter list join the community Discord server and a whole bunch of other things over on my website, cashelman.com. Uh, if you're interested in supporting the show, I also have a Patreon page with some cool donation benefits. If anything from today's episode sparked a thought, please feel free to share that on either the Discord, in the comments section on my blog, or on my Instagram, at, at C. Ashland. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. Have an awesome week, and I'll see you next time on Bedletter. Letter.